Welcome back to the second hour of the Tober Show. Excited to talk to Maya Noronha, who's a visiting legal fellow at the Independent Women's Forum. That is, uh, the, the IWF at IWF.org is on my favorites bar. And Maya, I'm confident you're going to become one of our favorites, too. Great to talk to you for the first time. How are you? Great to talk with you, too, um, Randy. So you're visiting legal fellow. That means you're a smart cookie. And you, uh, when smart cookies are concerned about Merrick Garland going off the rails, that makes me happy because um, someone's got to rein in this Justice Department when it comes to going after America's parents who just want their kids to be treat, taught reading, writing, and arithmetic. It, uh, it, tell us a little bit about uh, what's been going on with uh, with the DOJ and, and the latest order that he had and how he was meeting with attorneys and the FBI to, to, to look into us. Definitely, uh, Randy. Uh, right now, the Justice Department is playing games with Americans, uh, parents, and um, kids, and that's a dangerous proposition. Now we hear that uh, they are tagging individuals as domestic terrorists, almost um, misusing what are legal criminal um, laws like the Patriot Act or the Conspiracy Against Rights Act, which are used against serious offenders and can uh, give you a crime that you can go almost to the death penalty. But what we actually have here on the ground are moms and dads that are asking questions about critical race theory and what are their kids being taught in schools. So we should be concerned because these are major laws, but the Constitution overrides that and says you have free speech. So, you know, how do you how do you answer those who say, uh, as Terry McAuliffe did, uh, the, the now defeated candidate for governor in uh, in Virginia, when people are saying on the left, no, it's not being taught. Critical race theory is not being taught. We're we're not going into the schoolroom and saying, children, this is the critical race theory uh, module in your fill in the blank history, English, math, whatever course. Um, h- how do you push back on that? How how and how well, effectively can American parents push back on that? Well, you just look at the facts. They tell you everything. If you look at these great organizations like Parents Defending Education, they have, um, and uh, um, uh, legal organizations, they're filing lawsuits. They're protecting the First Amendment rights of these parents, and they're winning. Uh, you, you look at this letter from the National School Board Association, they're in denial. We at Independent Women's Forum have pointed out the lies, the, the uh, unicorn fact-checking, that they claim it doesn't occur in the K-12 context. But it is. With COVID, uh, parents finally seeing on their screens what kids are being taught, what those school board sessions um, are are actually discussing. It's been eye-opening, you know. Uh, Sunlight is the best disinfectant, and now we're seeing a lot of individual people. And we've been encouraging moms to speak out every day. What, what do you make of the testimony of Merrick Garland that is now on the, you know, after some whistleblowers have come out and said, you know, some emails came out uh, when he, you know, told Congress that this was not in any way, shape or form intended to, you know, uh, go after these folks and so forth. And then the FBI, I've heard some people say, well, when they are using some kind of a code for a repository, it sounds like a computer file or some kind of a Dropbox file. That's the way the FBI and the DOJ are defending it, wherein 
if if school board member A, at least this is the way I'm visioning it, if school board member A in whatever jurisdiction feels as though there was a threat against them or had a Facebook threat by parent B, they could report to the FBI and then that would go in some file and it's just a matter of having a structure by which to to organize complaints because I'm sure the FBI gets complaints all the time. You know, is that a legitimate defense of what's going on at the DOJ? It's just they have to identify, they have to investigate things. I mean, as an attorney, is this a jurisdictional issue? And is the FBI, I'm trying to be a devil's advocate here because it's always good to understand the other side of the story. Is this just nothing more than a, a hyperbolic, caked up, uh, you know, thing on the part of, of, of conservatives and, and, and the FBI is really innocently just filing complaints in a, in a standard way? Or, or is there more, is it more sinister than that? Well, after working at a federal agency, you see what comes out in press statements and comes out in hearings, and then you see how in practice how it works. So uh, as Senator Grassley um, pointed out at the hearing, uh, they're not being forthcoming. They're not being transparent at the higher levels at the White House. And if you listen to the testimony of Garland, he said... Somebody was working on this. He was kind of kept out of the process. And Senator Grassley said, wait a minute, you run this agency. The agency appears and the White House appeared to be running you. So it's it's folks, the politicals at the White House who are calling shots. The rank and file FBI are, are told and follow chain of command to do what they say. But they receive these complaints and they're told by higher ups use discretion even if you don't have that discretion and and follow up on this and make it a politicized issue instead of just a law enforcement issue okay all so right well that's what i'm thinking basically i mean follow the- so so maya you do have i mean you're confident there is at some level Maybe not the operational boots on the ground. Hey, I'm just an FBI field office guy, and if someone makes a complaint, I got to put it somewhere, and we're using, you know, file, you know, XYZ under complaints, you know, to put it. But at some level, the DOJ, I mean, you feel confident saying there is some weaponization, political weaponization of, of the FBI and the DOJ to try to, to try to squelch parents having a voice in their children's education. It's that simple, right? And uh, as a lawyer, uh, you should know local government plays that role. But it, it constantly they're trying to make this national issue. And we've seen at school boards where they're, they're trying to dox, uh, make you know moms and dads unemployed by sending in activists, keeping this record where, you know, um, average Americans could be targeted. That, that's the great concern here because, you know, we uncover this letter from a national advocacy group based out here um, in, in outside of D.C., and it doesn't fit reality. The, these parents are, you know, speaking with civility, but they're being attacked um, by their, their fellow, um, uh, you know, communities and the national community, whereas yeah. um, Mayor Garland should know this is a local matter. You know, federal government should not be, you know, intimidating local police officers and local school boards and local parents. They came out and said, understood. hey, wait. I mean, that's what I never understood about the whole issue. I mean, what in the world jurisdiction do they have? I'm sure at some level the FBI needs to get into into a local issue because of their jurisdiction. I mean, I, I don't know how those definitions and those boundaries are formed, but I mean, there's there's local the local police at the city, the county. 
level, right? I mean, that's isn't that what law enforcement would be about if there's a if there's a scuffle at a board meeting, just like there's a scuffle down at at the Alibi, you know, saloon. <laughs> that local law enforcement takes care of that, right? Yeah, and if you actually listen to uh, national and local school boards, they're distancing themselves from this National School Board Association and saying, we want this to remain a local issue. So why is the FBI and, and all these federal prosecutors involved? That You know, how are kids, what they're taught in schools is inherently a local issue. And even, you know, uh, appoint, uh, attorneys general appointed by Democrats have long said, hey, wait, you got to be careful with this criminal power. You know, there are rights that you should also be protecting. And and the yeah. fundamental one, the first freedom is, is, you know, in the First Amendment, free speech. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm just troubled by this because while they may they we may not see indictments and grand juries, you know, at some federal district court level, you know, come down on a parent who who, you know, at a board meeting threatened someone, said, oh, you know, I hope you get COVID-19 and end up in a, on a ventilator, you know, whatever. I don't know that that's going to happen, but it doesn't have to happen. Just the very fact that parents know that the FBI is looking at them or can look at them and they're in the crosshairs, that alone is going to make me, if I'm a parent with a, with a child in school, I'm going to have second thoughts about being vocal. It's It's just human nature, isn't it? And especially at this time in our society where... We have seen that for, for four years we saw that the Justice Department or the security agencies in our country, uh, both of them go after a president on, on baseless information, fake, phony dossiers, right? So intimidation is the ultimate uh, weapon here, isn't it? I mean, they don't even have to indict anyone. They just have to, just have to know that they're, they're looking at you. That's enough to scare the heck out of me. Yeah, definitely. And that's a, you know, a long aspect in federal law. Uh, you know, you can chill speech by presenting that you're going to go after them and use all of these federal taxpayer funds, and which is a huge department um, uh, department uh, funded at the federal level as opposed to the state level. And we've seen that, though, in uh, the Obama administration. And Biden is using those tools. You know, as we saw uh, the IRS being sent against um, everyday Americans um, and selectively only certain Americans who express certain um, uh, right. views that might not be yeah. uh, agreed by the uh, the folks in the White House. No, absolutely. My, I, I'm sure as an attorney, you probably had some interest in the Rittenhouse thing. And I, I wonder if I could ask you about your thoughts in the wake of the acquittal on all five accounts, uh, all five counts. Um you saw, I'm sure, bits and pieces, if not much of the trial. Uh, any thoughts about, I'm, I'm just curious about your thoughts as an attorney about the conduct of the prosecutors, first of all, the judge, secondly, and did the jury get it right, thirdly? Well, when I'm um, taking on cases, I always look at the facts and the law. And uh, you have to make sure that you have a rigorous case on all counts. Um, my greatest concern with that case is how publicized it was and becomes a national issue. And you can be, instead of being uh, a jury of your peers, a decision, you become tried in the court of, of public opinion. And that's a dangerous proposition, that it was entirely pub publicized as opposed to those jurors being able to look at it from a 
you know, objective perspective. You know, our justice system is not presumed uh, uh, guilty uh, and then um, you have to prove your innocence. The federal uh, and the state uh, prosecutors are are faced with the burden of proof. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, the the jury, I hope that they, um, you know, they're being sequestered um, for their own protection. And I hope um, all of the individuals involved in a tragic situation of loss of life should be, you know, safe and and their rights protected. That's the justice system, the balance of it and blind justice. But, uh, you know, it's a difficult system, but that's the system we have. And we should be concerned about rights of defendants as well as the interest of of the people. Yeah. We're talking with Maya Noronha. Is it Noronha? Is that how it's pronounced? Yes, you got it right, Randy. Noronha. And and I was, you know, learning a little bit about you here before our first visit. And I I saw you're a second generation um, Indian from from southeast from uh, asian indian right is that it yes um and okay. uh, it's a it's a um an honor being an american and yeah. uh, we should and you know m- no matter where we come from there are moms and dads who of all races you know we we just celebrated with independent women's forum another indian american who is actually speaking out at school board so i encourage yeah. everybody no matter what they are to to come out and speak well, I, I wanted to ask you about the judge's comments that the left went so crazy on as, as a as a, 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 a minority woman, right? Um, someone who has, if you were on the left, you'd have every right to be the ultimate victim <laughs> and to get outraged at the judge's just passing joke about the Asian meal being caught up on the boat sitting outside the harbor. You know, I mean, he made a comment. Did that offend you? I just, I want to ask real people, not talking heads who need to make everything about race and, and, and bias and bigotry and white supremacy Uh, from, from a white male who's over 50 to a, a woman of color. Did that outrage you? That little joke about the, the Chinese food being late because it was on the, you know, backed up on a, on a on a cargo ship well that's a concern you know uh what i you know in, in civil rights law i view it a a race blind country that's what martin luther king uh you know advances and so uh that's what civil rights law is about that's what you know individually i believe and and you should you know treat other people with respect and civility particularly if you're a judge so you know, uh, cultural competency is something uh, I've I've seen in the communities that they don't really understand. But everyday Americans, they they treat each other with respect. So uh, you know, you often wonder whether you know uh, individuals in power are exercising uh, what they what they do fairly. So it, it concerns me as an American not just as a lawyer when people make comments uh, that are insensitive. Okay, well, I I guess we're going to have to agree to disagree on that because I grew up in an era where, look, I I make jokes about myself being, you know, hair challenged and a face for radio, which is very true, Maya, very true all the time. And there was a time when I grew up, I played in the band business in St. Louis, and I had Italian guys working with me, and they would always joke about Italian jokes and everything. There was a time I worked with Polish people who made jokes about Polish people, and people were thicker skinned in a past time. They didn't. They weren't so sensitive. I'm concerned about that. I have to tell you. What What do you think about that? I mean, isn't it? Don't we? Isn't an important part of civil rights the ability to, in America, don't we have the right to 
to not be offended and to to not worry if someone's offended either and to maybe just be less worried about things we can't control genetically and be more responsible and worried about those things that we can control uh, performance-wise? What do you think? Well, I think identity politics has, has really impaired that. Um, you know, if, if somebody makes an offhand comment, is it really, you know, I, you know, what I enforce and have seen in civil rights laws are real egregious intentional discrimination. And right. when I, I see something that, you know, I disagree about it, I'm free to speak and, and address it. I'm, you know, ask, maybe you shouldn't say that, you know, but, uh, you know, others uh, can say how they feel and what they say. So there's a balance that needs to be struck. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I can tell you for for Randy Tobler's sake, I go out of my way long before there was critical race theory and social justice and and uh, concerns about white privilege. I, I have gone out of my way throughout my life because I'm aware of the past and I'm aware of how people have been oppressed because of things they can't control. And I think most good conservatives that I know, and I know you're a good conservative, I have always gone out of my way. I didn't need the left to tell me to try to do whatever I can to elevate people and make them their very best. And given the choice, really, between a a white guy who's 50 and a woman of color who's 50, everything else being equal. You know what Randy Tober was going to choose, whether he was 20, 50, or 60? The woman of color, because I want to give her a chance. I want to see her do their very best. So there you go. I'm just go- I'm just saying we don't need to be beat up about our biases. And I'm tired of being beat up about our biases. And I think that um, I hope the civil rights lobbies don't rub our faces in it, if you know what I mean. But at any rate, hey, it's a great discussion. I'm thankful that you were with me. And thanks for your great analysis and all the hard work you're doing on uh, the DOJ and their threats to uh, to parents. And again, uh, you're going to be you're a visiting uh, fellow at. Uh, at uh, Independent Women's Forum. How long does that last? Is that a year long or how long? Well, it's a, it's a six-month um, uh, program, oh. but it oh. can be uh, renewed. So I, I'm delighted to be part of independent, independent Women's Forum and uh, the, my colleagues there at the Independent Women's Law Center. Um, I'm yeah. hoping it's around uh, uh, for you know a really long time because well, we can I, engage in I sure hope like so. This. And I know you're part of the Federalist Society, too, so God bless you. Thanks for all you're doing. Really appreciate it. Hey, have a great weekend, okay? You too, Randy. All right, there she is, Maya Norona. And uh, great talk there. I, uh, yeah, it's fun to mix it up with people that uh, you're aligned with, even if you don't agree about everything. All right, well, what do you think about that? Do you think that insensitive comments like the judge made, well, some said it was insensitive. I don't know. And now, you know what, Max? Uh, here's the question for you all to call me. 314-912-1019. If you're on the left, if you're on the right, if you're on the center, if you're Asian, are you, what's, should the scene, the New Year's Eve scene in A Christmas Story, deck the hars with boughs of Hari, should that be edited out this year, 2021? I'm surprised Max it hasn't been already. Hit. Max Foisey will give his opinion, and I want to know your opinion here on The Tobler Show. 314-912-1019-1019-941. We are News Talk SEL and The Tobler Show. Back in a minute. Not Welcome back to the program. It's bottom of the hour, 7.30 here already. We're rolling along on The Tobler Show this morning on News Talk SEL. Hey, sign up for the, the, for the midweek newsletter that comes out every Wednesday on NewsTalkSTL.com. You can sign up there. Get it in your inbox every Wednesday. Find out what's going on in the station, other goodies in there, and 
upcoming events and promotions and all kinds of fun. And if you can't get us, uh, you know, the signal fades. All radio signals fade somewhere. So if you live in a fading or an intermittent signal area on 1019-941-991-HD3, well, then just turn on the app on either your iOS or Android or tell Alexa to turn us on or, you know, stream us through NewstalkSTL.com. No excuse not to listen and spread the word and like us on Facebook. So we're having an interesting discussion, Maxie and I. I uh, We did a show off I, the air just now. Well, you're talking to a kid who always got, I was the four eyes on the playground. And the I mean, you know, I was like, I got hit in the base, in the face so many times with a baseball because I just couldn't see the ball coming. When, that's why I quit Corey League. So I used to being made fun of and whatever, you know, I don't, it didn't bother me. It's what it is. Um, and people, boy, do I get made fun of a lot now doing talk radio on Twitter and Facebook and everyone else. Scathing, it doesn't bother me. Rolls off my back, right? But people would say, well, that's because you have white privilege, right? That's what they'd say. Easy for you to say. Well, but my lived experience has been that way, right? I've I've often said, you know, if, if we ever, if my wife and I ever do a podcast, we're going to call it Beauty and the Beast, and I ain't the beauty. So... What do you think about that? Was that was the judge's comments uh, in the in the Rittenhouse trial? Maya and I had a disagreement. I mean, she, I, I asked. I've always wanted to do that. I asked a woman of color. You know, do those kind of things bother you? You know, do they really? Well, we have to be careful. We have to be. And I understand. And I clearly, I don't go out of my way to make insensitive comments. But think about the entertainment for the last half a century. Well, well, sixty years. The, the, all of the Adirondack. Uh, Jewish comedians, I mean, think about Don Rickles, Henny, all of these guys, right? They would they would not have a career if they were born today doing that stuff. Um, you look at Archie Bunker and Meathead back in uh, All in the Fam, that would not happen. Those would be unacceptable because they, they made fun of stereotypes. Well, I, I, I think, and with all due respect, we still have those performers. They're just called Dave Chappelle. He's doing the same thing. He's, he's standing in the same sh- shadow yeah, or the same only, shoes as yeah, but Don Rickles. What I, what, what's bothered, but here's what bothers him. If I were to do that, because I don't have black privilege, <laughs> I don't have black comedian privilege. If I was to do that same stand-up routine, I, I would probably go to jail, right? I mean, I'd have death threats. I'd, what? How not if, not right? if you were funny. <laughs> you can get away with a lot if you're funny. You didn't. You didn't like my joke about Dr. Rachel Levine <laughs> no, being the rear admiral and she did the colonoscopy minutes. on Joe it Biden? It was just 15 minutes to get there. <laughs> well, I was, I got time to fill, man. <laughs> Let's go to Vince. Vince yeah. is on the line. Vince, what what say you about Judge Bruce Schroeder's uh, in the Rittenhouse trial comment going into a break that, you know, hey, we got the Chinese food is late. The Asian food, he said. He didn't say Chinese. The Asian food's late. It must be on one of those ships backed up on the Long Beach, uh, you know, Long Beach uh, Harbor. What say you? I thought it was funny. Um, I'm, and I just turned 60. Uh, and, you know, if you, if you couldn't take it uh, when I was growing up, well, then that just opened the floodgates. You know, yeah. and we, you know, we found people, people were too sensitive and a little too full of themselves, and looked to get outraged all the time. It right. was open season, so it's best that you kind of roll with it. 
Yeah, we, we live in an outrage culture. Now, now you know what the left will say. The left will say your lived experience isn't the same as theirs, and so you don't know what it's like. So how can you be so insensitive? You know, but why why was it that the Asian community didn't? Uh, excoriate, eviscerate, and maybe they did. Maybe it wasn't reported. Uh, the scene in the Christmas story, because I, I, frankly, I think I, I'm thankful for all of the Asian people in my life that are so brilliant that have I've worked with so many great, great um, people of Asian descent in the medical community, whether it's in the research community at Washington University, a large contingent of people doing work in the labs there, doctors, postdoc fellows, postgrad students, um, and I honor them. But I mean, so there was a little, you know, so that scene in the Christmas story, should that be now, should that now be answer, uh, censored and, and eliminated? You know, I don't know. Well, yeah, yeah. As far as I'm concerned, I don't think so, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm not going to be the person at the party that's going to try to pull it off, <laughs> yeah. because I can't, but yeah. then again, I'm not the guy that's going to be outraged over everything, too, Randy. Right, and I, and I don't think any of us are going out of our way to try to make people feel bad, but, I mean, look, every group has its idiosyncrasies. And if we just if we just have fun with one another's idiosyncrasies, I mean, think about it at the work site, right? Guys do it all the time. They make fun of one another, and they're like, you know, you know what? They make part. They make fun about their male parts, or but you know, it's like antler envy in the deer community. You know, deer, I'm gonna find my antlers bigger than your. You know, I I don't get it. It's just the the thin skinness of people is very distressing to me. It's getting to the point where you can't. You can't say anything that doesn't offend someone, and at some point you don't make progress if you don't have conversation, right? And uh, One thing I don't know. Just I, yeah. I thought uh, when uh, Trump was in uh, for his term, I sort of saw that outraged uh, kind of uh, ambiance, if you will, that it started to go away, and the left didn't like it because it started to take away some of their power. They like to use that as a weapon, in my yeah. opinion. So anyway, well, no, that's right. Have a great weekend, Brady. Well, hey, you too. Yeah, and you know, the other problem with this whole issue of outrage and cultural sensitivity is that at this point now, and, and we, we start by talking about hitting all the hot-button issues, Max. Um I had a conversation with a woman, a, a person of the female persuasion the other day, and we were talking, and she actually was making the point that, that troubles me sometimes. You see an awful lot of commerce and effort and energy go into women. I mean, look at TikTok. TikTok is nothing but exhibitionism, right? Largely, and, and women seem to be the dominant um, gender on on TikTok? Am I wrong? Uh, thankfully, I'm too old for TikTok. I have no idea. Oh, come on. You're never too old. Oh, of now course I am. You're time being yourself. I think it would be Stereotype. strange if I signed up for TikTok. Come That'd on, get weird. here. Get onto TikTok. Should come I? On. Should get, I? Get I don't know. It. Maybe if the Absolutely. station does. Maybe if the station does. Then okay, I'm... everyone, like, hey, let me know at Randy Tober MD if Max should get on <laughs> Wow. Um, maybe you and I, the next time I'm in the studio, we'll have to do a little, uh, we'll have to do a little TikTok. Oh, wait a minute. Are you on TikTok? 
I don't know. I watch it. I see. Well, yeah, no, you can it. share the videos ever. I've seen them, and so. Well, that's what I mean. I'm not on it, but I okay. watch it. I see it. Yeah. Okay, but I, I I can only watch it for like a minute. I just get tired of it. It's boring. But, um, so women are doing that, and they're clearly out there objectifying themselves, right? But yet, during the hashtag Me Too movement, there was so much said about why are we objectifying women? So I'm just confused. There's cognitive dissonance there. What I don't know. What's all this time, all the time spent on, you know, TikToking and getting ready for the TikTok and getting dressed and made up and quaffed for the TikTok? It's a good word. <laughs> if you quaffed. don't want to be objectified. I mean, I, it just doesn't make sense to me. I don't know. Well, if you're a gal who can help me understand that, please give me a call. 314-912-1019. On another note. The uh, the build bloat better bill, well, they call it build back better. I call it build bloat because it's just going to bloat the federal government more. Passed the House the other day uh, by a relatively narrow margin. There was one or two Democrats who uh, crossed the aisle, uh, 220 to 213. And uh, it calls for universal pre-K capping child care costs for many families. Negotiating lower prescription drug prices, read that as less R&D for the pharmaceutical industry, and expanding tax credits for reducing carbon emissions. So a, a large swath of the of the uh, green agenda is, is being realized here, if this passes the Senate. Tax enforcement efforts at the IRS and raises taxes on corporations and very high-income Americans. I just wish we'd stop having the whole tax enforcement and people should pay their fair share. Why can't we just say, how much did you make? Give me 10% of it. And I would even concede going back to, okay, let's go, let's do a tiered flat tax. No deductions, no nothing, but low tax rates. How much did you make? Give me 5% if you make under X. Give me 10% if you make between X and Y. And give me 15% if you make between Y and Z. Well, I... What's wrong with that? You wouldn't need, you know, the bootstrapped IRS agents to be looking at every little, you know, deduction you claim. And did you do this right? And did you follow the, what, 20,000 page tax code? Of course, I guess the accountants out there don't like that, maybe. Because, well, but they could still do corporate accounting. There's a lot of accounting need to be done. You just wouldn't be doing tax accounting. I it just... Why We wouldn't have to worry about everyone paying their fair share. Jeff Bezos would just write a check for 15% of his $10 billion he makes a year, whatever it is. What, what's wrong with that, Max? Tell me where I'm wrong here. Just a flat tax. What's wrong with that? I can detect no lies, sir. You you agree? Yeah, absolutely. That yeah, makes well, sense to me. That's your libertarian streak in you. Yeah, that's right. All right. Well, let's step aside, and then we're gonna. Don't we have a guest coming up here? We've yeah, got Virginia, Virginia. Kruda, who we is got probably a hit with Virginia. She's Kruda probably all Daily over Wire, TikTok. So. That's what I'm the yeah, guessing. We gotta, I want. You think Virginia's on? She's TikTok? probably all over it. Yeah. I want to ask her about objectifying women, uh, deck the horrors with bows of Hari, and uh, all other things. Totally insensitive and outrageous here on the Tobler Show. Politics, religion, and whatever else that you're not supposed to talk about. That's what we do because we are putting woke to sleep. Randy Tobler with Max Voise. We'll be right back.
What kind of idiot 17-year-old gets a giant gun and goes to a riot? He has no license. He has no training. He thinks he's going to scrub graffiti off with his AR-15. I mean, the stupidity of this is like, what could possibly go wrong? Matter what the facts are. Yeah, and I enjoy that montage that you just played, particularly Jeffrey Tubin calling <laughs> Kyle people. Rittenhouse an idiot. Yeah, I I'm glad that you could see his hands throughout that entire analysis. Uh, anyway. <laughs> Well, I think that was the clip of the week in terms of giving some humor from the talking heads over there at Fox. That was Joe Concha after uh, Tubin called uh, Rittenhouse an idiot. And <laughs> so I don't know. One of the one of our favorite people in the whole wide world is Virginia Cruda of the Daily Wire. And uh, she checks in with us uh, weekly. And uh, I don't know, Virginia, I think it's a wide It's a crazy, crazy <laughs> world. But that one that was a good one for Joe, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I love Joe Concha. He's great. He he uh, he always has has uh, something interesting to say about, especially media coverage of yeah. of uh, what's going on. And that's since that's kind of my beat too. I kind of follow him, and he's he's really yeah. good at what he does. Yeah, very very good. So I don't know if you've been uh, monitoring the show here before you came on, but um, we're just talking about sensitivity and uh, just outrage and. People just having, it seems like an increasing thin skin. I, I, I was raised in a time when, boy, you know, people laughed when Don Rickles made fun of them. I mean, literally, people sitting in the well, audience right. would laugh when Rickles called them out. Now, I mean, even my conservative guest, I, I offended her. I didn't expect that answer, but she said, well, that was insensitive and we have to be careful. And I, I get it. I don't think anyone goes out of their way day to day to, to, to make people feel bad, but have we have we right. become too thin-skinned or not? I I think so. I don't know if you remember um, when Dana Carvey um, he parodied uh, George H. W. Bush on Saturday Night Live, and yeah, yeah, George H. W. I Bush understand. called him and invited him to the White House. This, yes, I mean, this that, was, that's right. Yeah, when you could laugh at yourself, and then uh, wasn't it W. who who brought an impersonator to to a, a dinner? to make fun of him like he brought a look-alike and so right. he's standing next to the guy who looks just like him and yeah. was making fun of him like on purpose this, well, remember this Rich idea Little? you can't laugh yeah. right, you can't, you're right you can't laugh at yourself anymore and you're not allowed to laugh at other people yeah. because everything's offensive and I, I have a problem with that i think that i think that this nation as a whole became a lot less healthy when we lost the ability to laugh at ourselves yeah. And I think that that's what you see in this thin skin, this idea that you, you no longer have a right. Your right to not be offended now trumps other people's right to free speech. And I think that that is a problem. You're so right about that. You know, it's almost as though that's become a part of the Bill of Rights to not be offended. Right. And and that's just that that smacks so not far there. and so so 180 degrees from the 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 mores and the ideals that really underlaid the beauty of this country which was rugged individualism and a healthy respect for the fact that hey we are a tough resilient people and right yeah, if you want to you can choose to be affected negatively by your circumstances whether it's what someone says or what's going on elsewhere in your world or it could be a hurricane it could be someone talking about you or your identity group but on the other hand it was rising above that fray that brought us to greatness wasn't it 
Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And I think that I, I think that you're right that people are now too sensitive and that but you see, you know, I, I mentioned H. W. Bush and, and George W. Bush. I remember reading something about um I, I want to say it was like the White House Correspondents' Dinner or something, and Bill Clinton didn't want to go because he didn't want to let somebody make fun of him. He did, mm-hmm. he thought it was, like, demeaning or something. And I think, well, you're missing the point. Like, that's what you're supposed to – it shows you – I mean, yes, you're supposed to be the leader of the free world as president. Yes, you're supposed to, you know, project strength and, and what have you. But – you, the people don't identify you if they don't recognize you as a human being. Right. And no, I think that well standing up and allowing allowing yourself, you know, that self-deprecation, it, it, it really connects you with the people in a way that being aloof. And like I, I remember people accuse President Obama of being aloof and condescending. And mm-hmm. you, you don't connect with people who are always talking down to you. But you do connect no, you're right. with people I'm, who are willing to laugh and, and let their guard yeah. down a little bit. Yeah. I always remember his, uh, I, and it, it's uh, indelibly etched on my mind, that sort of chin in the air, looking out over the crowd there after the election that night in the Chicago, you know, on the on the banks of, yeah. the, uh, of Michigan, uh, uh, Lake Michigan. And I thought, wow, that sort of set the stage for that arrogance. I'm an erudite academic. And uh, I know all of the sm- smartest people in the world, and we're going to make sure that we make the right decisions for you. Just shut up and let me drive the right. boat, you know? And that's and, just, and say that's what you just will not an about, American ideal. Like, right. And say what you will about guys like George W. Bush, who, you know, often projected that cowboy, you know, the the swagger and not necessarily getting all the words right in the sentence and, uh you know, people said people said that he was stupid and because of the way that he talked, but he was real. You know, he, when when he opened his mouth, you didn't feel like he was trying to put you down. Yeah. yeah. You know, you, you felt like he's not trying to teach me something. He's just trying to talk to me. Right. right. And and there's there's a big difference between, you know, when when you go to college even and you have professors that are constantly trying to teach you something i realize that's the goal of college is for you to learn something but sometimes you learn more from the people who just want to talk to you yeah we're talking with virginia cruda with the uh, daily wire hey uh, at va cruda is uh virginia's uh, twitter handle what are your thoughts about the rittenhouse trial and are you glad that um i'm i'm glad that there's not huge violent destroy the city riots at least not yet in oh, yeah. the wake of the acquittal what how about you oh i agree with that i i i think that i said this uh yesterday i think that this this wasn't just the best verdict that they could have come back with based on the evidence it was the only verdict they could come back with and that that he was he was um acquitted on all charges obviously because whether or not you want to talk about how wise a decision it is for a 17-year-old to walk into a riot, we can have that discussion mm-hmm. all day long. But we can okay. also have a discussion about how wise it was for everyone else to walk into the riot, you know, what, regardless ah. of their age and whether or not they were carrying yes. firearms legally or illegally. It's not right. a smart place to be, and it doesn't matter how old you are. So yeah. that that's 
that's a different discussion entirely. But once they're all there, the only question that was up for debate was whether or not he feared for his life and took the actions that he did in response to that. And I think that there is no question based on the evidence that that's what happened, that he was afraid he was being beaten over the head with a skateboard and kicked in the face. And he responded in a way that, while unfortunate and tragic, was certainly reasonable. And no, you're so you're so right. And 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 I, I Max, if you can uh, can play digital file number ten, it's interesting. Remember how President Trump was excoriated right after yes. uh, the shooting uh, back in in August of last year, uh, and this is what he said. And it's interesting how he took such a beating for saying just what he said here and uh, yet turns out i think he's been vindicated take a listen and then the actions of vigilantes like kyle rittenhouse and- well, we're, we're looking at all of it uh, that was an interesting situation you saw the same tape as i saw and uh, he was trying to get away from them i guess it looks like and he fell and then they very violently attacked him and it was something that we're looking at right now and it's under investigation but uh I guess he was in very big trouble. He would have been, I, he probably would have been killed, but it's under, it's under investigation. So isn't that interesting? Now, as a journalist, Virginia, I know that you are very precise with your words and you don't use words uh, and recognizing their definition inappropriately. He's been called a vigilante, vigilante, vigilante. And uh, when I look up uh, vigilante, it's uh, it talks about uh a member of law, not a member of law enforcement, but they pursue and punish persons suspected of lawbreaking. All he was doing was erasing graffiti, and he had a defensive weapon, which turned out to save his life. Uh, but he was not running around the city, as he was portrayed by many of the media, uh, you know, looking for trouble from the best from the best we know, right? Well, and what I think is interesting is that not one of them accused Gage Grosskreutz of going to the riot intending to hurt people. Even though he was concealed carrying an illegally owned Glock, right? Nobody cared that he was there with a gun. They only cared that Kyle Rittenhouse was open carrying an AR-15 because they've already decided a couple of things. First, that if you were not on the side of the Black Lives Matter protesters, you are the enemy. Yeah, And the only reason you could possibly be there is to hurt them. They've already decided those things. They've also decided that AR-15s are bad no matter who holds them. (laughs) Right. So the conclusion justifies the argument. It's worse. Exactly. And that's that's what it was from the beginning. They decided he was guilty of something. And... And then it was just on the prosecutors to do a good job proving it. And because the evidence wasn't there, they couldn't do it. Well, Virginia, we always enjoy talking with you, and I hope folks continue to follow you both at The Daily Wire, uh, I guess starting this week, and and also at VA Cruda. Thanks again. Look forward to talking to you. Can we get you next Saturday on the Thanksgiving weekend? Oh, sure. Absolutely. Ah, Look forward to it. Okay, we'll see you then. Have a great one this weekend, okay? Thanks so much. All right, you too. All right, there she is, Virginia Critter, here on The Tobler Show. We'll be right back after Top of the Hour News. Stay there.